Psalm chapter 47. Title of my message is Clap and Shout. Clap and Shout. I have a heavy heart. It burdens me for those that struggle so much with assurance. I have a just a, a weight for me, people that just worry and fret all the time. I chose my words carefully here. They have unmerited fears. Children of God have unmerited fears and they have baseless weight. <laughs> it's used a lot this, these days. There's, there's a weight on the Lord told Israel, we've been killing ourselves with all these sacrifices. And he says, no, I didn't tell you to do that. And, and there's people that just, they're so tore up and walk through this world that are, are children of God. And it hurts my heart for them that they're just frazzled all the time. And then I wrote this. We never seem to get tired of looking at ourselves and at others. You ever got tired of looking in a mirror? <laughs> I can't wait till tomorrow. Kids say why. So I get better looking every day. <laughs> That's us. Right? We look to ourselves. And we look to others. and Good or bad. Like they're better than I am or they're worse than I am or something. It's a problem. That ain't good. That's bad. That's why that happens. I pray this morning we can be given eyes to look to our Lord. To see Him. This is going to be a happy message. It's going to be a good message. The psalmist begins speaking here of victory in verse 1. It says, Oh, clap your hands. Psalm 47, verse 1. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. The voice of triumph. We're told to clap our hands here and, and shout unto God. I considered that this week. I thought about clapping and shouting. Why, when do you clap? You think about that a lot? When do you clap? You clap when there's a victory, don't you? If you're a big Padres fan, and they just hit a bunch of home runs, and they're doing well, you can watch a fan. I don't have to see the TV. If you're a sports fan, and you, I can tell how your team's doing by how you react. It's, oh, and they're kicking, and, uh, meh, and throwing, or, oh, yes. You can tell how they're doing. That's simple. We understand that. You, you, because there's a victory, we clap. We clap. There's a victory. And that's impulsive. Did you know that? This will be a real key here in just a few minutes. It's unrehearsed. You don't think about it. This is now when we will clap to honor the, the Padres or whatever. Pick your poison. No, you just do it, don't you? The team won. You clap for them. Second time you clap. To congratulate someone on a job well done. Somebody's going to get promoted soon, and I'm going to clap for them. They're going to do something good at work, and they finished a good job, and they got that big promotion. You clap for them. You clap for them. They accomplished a big feat. I thought of, I don't know if you've ever been to Bangor, Maine. Little tiny town, ain't nothing there, but a big long runway. they got a big airport, itty-bitty town. And all the planes coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan, they stopped there to refuel. And you get a touchdown in the States again. These United States, boy, what a blessing that is. And people line up, that whole t half that town, they volunteer, and they clap when you walk down that hallway. Don't matter when, 3 a.m., noon, doesn't make a difference. There's a hundred of them out there just clapping. Soldiers come home. 
They're done. They're back home. They're happy. They shout for you, don't they? Thirdly, we clap and shout to show love. My oldest son walked the stage at graduation. <laughs> Good. I love him. Happy. There's a, a, a feat's accomplished. The victory's won. I'm happy. I love him. You clap because I love him. And you clap a little harder when there's tears of joy falling down with it. Don't you? It says, clap and shout unto the Lord. It's not our practice. Heed me. Not, not somebody else. I ain't sent nobody else. I'm sent to you all. It's not our practice to clap and shout in church services. Why? That draws attention to us. It does. Our old nature, it will find any way to promote itself. It will. If you know you're being watched, I'll look everybody in the eye, but you're the only one looking me in the eye. I'm the only one looking at you. Get on one of them Skypes or something. I ain't never seen anybody fall asleep on a Skype. <laughs> Everybody's watching. If we were to clap and shout, it would not, very quickly, it would not be unrehearsed. This is when we clap. Right? That's done, so we clap now. Clap ten times. Give them two claps. This is when we shout. Amen. Amen. They said something churchy, and they said something gracie, and they said election, and like a trained dog to bark whenever you say speak. Bark at those things. Real quick, it becomes unrehearsed. And then it would be a challenge to see who could clap the loudest, who could shout the loudest, just to show how spiritual we are. Wouldn't it? We know these things to be true. That's so. Or quickly, the preacher gets so motivated. Oh, well, i got a good response on that. Now, we preach. If I'm talking just a camera, uh, if you're, that's what's the detriment to this society. It's made so easy. People just neglect the worship of God because they won't go. Uh, I can't tell on a camera if somebody's engaged with me. I write something down six different ways, and I delete it and write it and delete it and write it, and I say, that's how I ought to word it. And then if i got three or four people look at me going, well, I'm going to word it the second or third way. I'm going to go another angle. But if I look around and five or six people go, that's right. I can move on. We preach Christ and crucified. No, we see each other. But that preacher gets... Get some motivation, get some claps, and get some shouting. That's a hard thing. It'd be a distraction, couldn't it? Poor Henry preached out here in California, and he told the me and mine, and thee and thine. People clapped at that, to him. Now, that's a tongue twister. They didn't clap at the message. It's a, a parlor trick. Don't clap and shout at the messenger. What are we supposed to clap and shout to? It says, oh, hey, go clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. We don't want to promote ourselves. I thought my children were entering into this. I can clap really loud. I clap different other people if I want to, and it can be overheard over all claps. And I can shout really loud. But if I do those things, then it's about me. You said, boy, I feel like clap loud. I've never heard nobody clap like Kevin. He clapped really loud. Being seen in public, I may hold the title of the loudest clapper. That's probably why I can't hear too good. I'm too much yelling, too much clapping. But sometimes our hearts spiritually, not physically, but spiritually, our hearts overflow with just clapping and, and shouting unto God, and we can't control it. It just gets to happy. <laughs> We see who He is and what He's done for us. That's right. Yes. Amen. Good. Brother John Chapman, me and him was preaching together down in Virginia. 
And I was just captivated. I was on, up on the front row, and there wasn't nobody else in that building but me. John was talking to me. I've known him my, my whole life. He used to work for him. He was my boss and preached to me a lot. And he was preaching. He was going on about the, the worst criminal that there ever was, a scoundrel. He said, I thought a lot about this. Who was the worst criminal? I knew where he was going. He said, I'll tell you what, it's John Chapman. And I went, Amen. Anybody says the way he don't think much of John Chapman, does No, that's me. I couldn't help it. Lord save sinners like me. And that's good. It makes me happy. For our Redeemer, unto unto God, to our Lord, we're just overcome with joy. We're overcome with love and adoration. With the mo- most reverence I can say it, job well done. We see this salvation. He does well done. The Lord's gonna look at him and say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. And that's right. We clap for that, shout for that, don't we? When we see what we are, and we see that salvation that Christ triumphed in us and for us, and that love that was the motivation of the whole thing. Not begrudgingly, willingly. And he accomplished the victory. How can we not shout his triumph? His victory. Clap over the triumph of sin over Satan, over God's justice being satisfied, over that grave, over us. He conquered us. You you that believe, He come to you. He saved you. You didn't even know what was going on. You was dead. He gave you life. Thank you, thank you, Lord. And we shout to Him. Praise Him. The battle's won. He's triumphant. That's what's wrong with man's ideas if we did something for God then you won we clap for you if I did something I'd clap for me he did it it's unto him he's the one that's triumphant I want to give three reasons to clap and shout here in our text it's laid out for us first he's terrible not the way we we use the word we'll see it in a second He's the king, the great king, the king of kings. And this terrible and triumphant and great king, he saved his people. He saved the people. Look here in verse 1. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. For the Lord Most High is terrible. He's terrible. That's a twofold meaning in that. We use the word in our day. Terrible to mean something that's just extremely bad. It's extremely unpleasant, or it's something that causes a lot of terror, doesn't? Cause a lot of fear. That's the first root word of what the word actually means in Hebrew: is to be feared. Feared. Our Lord is to be feared. The God of heaven and earth is to be feared. He will by no means clear the guilty. He's angry with the wicked every day. And those that think they'll stand in front of a holy God on their own merit, they have every reason to be fearful and not flippant. He's to be afraid. Like a father, I've told you before, like a father with his children. You raise your children up. And that begins, they're physically afraid of you. You get spanked. Ought to be anyway. Nowadays, make a lot better neighbors if everybody make your children mind, But... You physically spank them and they're scared of you, afraid of getting whipped. But then as that time goes on, that understanding grows and knowledge grows. and Then they honor their father. They respect them. Don't they? There's no physical fear anymore. The bulk of people walking this earth are not afraid of the Lord for two reasons. They have no fear. There's two reasons why they're not afraid. First off, they're spiritually blind. They're, they don't know Him. 
I thought, I'm scared to death heights. Family went rode roller coasters that day. I videotaped it, called them crazy. <laughs> That's high. Who would do something? I wasn't going to get up on top of a tall cliff like here at Yosemite or something. I can't get close. i got to get down and crawl. And I can't get too close. But if you blindfolded me and I didn't know I was standing next to a cliff, why would I be afraid? Billions of people walking around blindfolded, unknowing the true and living God. They're scared of Him. That's the first reason they're spiritually blind. Don't know any better. They're left to their own thoughts, their own imaginations, and they ain't scared of that. The second is it's a little G God that's being preached all over. That's no one to be feared. Why would they? It's a frustrated, weak, helpless, dependent on you, little G God that's, that's, that's not to be feared, it's to be bullied. We're going to get a big prayer group and get together and we're going to gang up on them. We're going to pray until this or that goes away or starts happening. They think of God that can raise a mutiny against Him. Hogwash. That goes back to being blind. You don't know who you're dealing with. That's who's being preached. He's just trying to get everybody to get along. Can't we all just get along pretty please? That's nobody to be afraid of. And I'll tell you what else goes with that. A lot of people get 99% right. 1% poison. Is that good enough for you? That's deadly, isn't it? Any little G-God that leaves something up to you, if He got you all the way and there's a little bit left to do, He's not triumphant. And He never will be. It's not finished. It's not over. That king hadn't won yet. That's not God. Not to make everybody scared to death. <laughs> he ought to be feared. Though, as I've been heard it said a lot, well, in the days of old, you know, in the last hundred years, fifty years ago, fire and brimstone was needed. Uh, but we've moved on to love and past compassion and long suffering in our generation, haven't we? Uh, I think fire and brimstone is needed more now than it ever was in 1950 or 1850 or whenever. There's a, a, a whole nation of people walking around this whole state that don't know God and they ought to be scared to death of Him. Know who He is and bow to Him and then plead to mercy. <laughs> Lord, save us. That's called preaching to them. Now <laughs> come here about Him. First root word of that terrible is feared. The second is reverence. The Hebrew word for terrible means frightening but also means to re- revere, admire, respect, worship. Terrible means worship. Do you know that? We clap and we shout unto God because He's reverend. That's His name. He's the one that's reverend. He's admirable. He's worthy of worship. We fail miserably at it. He's deserving. He's worthy. Another word for terrible is awesome. Awesome. I overuse this word and it's overused in our culture horrendously, but... He puts us in awe. He's awe-inspiring. He inspires awe. He's the only one that's awesome. Isn't he? he will destroy any enemy that stands in front of Him, anyone or anything that's in opposition to Him is going to fall. And hit that, that triumph He shall accomplish, the death He shall accomplish, it's already done. That, that, wow! Just, we see, that just makes you want to clap and... And, and shout for Him. It's done. It's done. I'm in awe of that. That same overwhelming power that He has to destroy His enemies and conquer everything is the same power He used to save His people and protect His people and guide His people and preserve them. That's all inspiring 
Those that are saved by the terrible Lord of heaven and earth, they reverence Him. You just wheel. I don't teach nobody to do that. Tell nobody to do it. They wheel. They'll be in awe of Him. In awe in His love towards sinners. Not just a stoic king on a throne. He, he came to save sinners. Let me put that in layman's terms. That's folks you don't want to sit next to eating lunch. <laughs> People me and you wouldn't die for. That's who He came to die for. Me. I've told you that before. If you knew the inside of me, you quit eating lunch with me. You know what went through my thoughts every day? That's who He came to save. A willing sacrifice for those sinners. That's awesome. That inspires all of And we reverence Him for that. We reverence Him as our prophet. He's the only one that can reveal God. Without that, we would never know God. We never would, unless by divine revelation. You can't figure it out. We just ain't that smart. I'm sorry. You ain't going to lock yourself in the basement, get you a bunch of commentaries, and figure God out. It's going to be by divine revelation. He's our prophet. That's the office He stands in. I'm thankful for that. And we reverence Him as our priest. He's the one that intercedes for you. go into that place. I ain't going in there. You talk to the Lord. You make the sacrifice on my behalf. You have to do that. And we reverence Him for it. He sacrificed Himself. He laid down His own life. And we reverence Him as King. That's my second point. First off, we reverence Him. We're in awe of Him. We clap and we shout because He's fearful and and he's reverend and hushed oh, all. I'm in all of him. And because that one who is awesome, who is terrible, is the king. He's a great and mighty king. That makes me happy. That makes my heart leap. That makes my heart clap. Shout to him. We clap and shout because this terrible God is our great king. It says, Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. For the Lord most high is terrible. He is a great king. Over all the earth. Clap and shout because Christ is our King. 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 I love telling people that. God's on His throne. No, really. <laughs> he is. No, I'm not joking. He is. He's the potentate. I love that word. That's the only authority. Not a authority. Not could be authority ever other Tuesday or whenever you see fit. He's the only authority. He's omnipotent. He has all power. That means He's sovereign. He's on the throne. He's a great king. He does what He wants. He does what He wants. Anytime. And everything that's coming to pass at all, every molecule that's ever moved, every dust particle that light's ever shone through or in darkness, wherever, He did it. Because He wanted to. It pleased Him. And it's for our good. That's a point of contention. Did you know that? Natural man, you tell him God's on the throne, He did it. Is there evil in a city and He hadn't done that? Is there a mass school shooting the Lord didn't permit for His glory and our good? You understand that? I don't. But it's so. And you tell people, God's on His throne. God did this. And they either they don't clap, they clench their fists. You, that's one of the two. That's, you ain't going to straddle this fence. You're either going to clap or clinch. Don't you tell me that. People get mad. Well, they just say no. They try to ignore it. God's on His throne. We read that in Acts 2. It said, Him, speaking of Christ, 
being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Father permitted all that. What we would call the greatest atrocity that ever occurred, the greatest horrendous thing, man put God on a cross. He meant that for good. That's his determinate account. And for, he, from love, from before time for a people, he did that. Now the hands, the wicked hands is how is the means it took place. And what did they do? We read in Luke 23. There's a superscription above him in Greek and Latin and Hebrew. The three main languages. No matter who you was, you could read it. It said, this is king of the Jews. That's why they're mad. We will not have this man reign over us. He's the king. He's the king. But if we go on in Acts 2 and read, it says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that, that same Jesus, whom you've crucified, both the Lord and Christ. That's a great king. Great king. I look forward to worshiping. I thought of another king. I look forward to it in truly, truly clapping, truly shouting out unto God as He ought to be in glory with another king, O Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, that's the first message I ever remember remembrance. <laughs> and it's magnificent. Oh, my heart leaps in my chest. The end of days came to Nebuchadnezzar and he lifted up his eyes unto heaven and his understanding returned to him after seven years of walking like an animal and eating grass. He said, I bless the Most High and praise and honor him that liveth forever whose dominion is an everlasting dominion. This king has an everlasting kingdom from generation to generation. This ain't for a hundred years or a thousand years or... Don, if I had a post-millennial position, I wouldn't tell you. <laughs> it's forever. He always has been king. He is and shall be forever. That's something. That's a great king, isn't it? And all the inhabitants of earth are reputed as nothing. He doeth according to His will and arm of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay His hand or say to Him, What doest thou? What are you doing? Why did you do that? You hush. You're a man. Why are you talking against God? Clap your hands and shout. He's on His throne. <laughs> Be happy. We shout and we clap to our God in utter reverence and to His kingship, the King of kings, in good times and bad times, what we call. Uh, in storms or, or still weather, sunny days. Rejoice in Him. He, he's the doer of it. He is. Something else too. This isn't just some despot. Just a tyrant, an austere man. This is a holy king. Holy king. Look here in verse 8. God reigneth over the heathen. God sinneth upon the throne of His holiness. What kind of throne does this king sit on? A holy throne. Because he's holy. I just can't believe a, a God would do something like that. Well, you don't know. What he does is right because he's holy. He doesn't do what's right. What he does is right. That's a holy king. Because this great and awesome and mighty king, he saves wretches like me, and he's just in doing so, and the justifier. That is that awesome? Do you want to clap and shout over that? That's right, good. <laughs> That's a question I ain't asking. How could God be just and justify sinners? He did it. It's his plan. Through His Son, isn't it? His Son's going to get all the glory. All the attributes. This terrible, reverend, awesome King was pleased to save some people, make objects of His grace and mercy. Look at verse 1 again. Oh, clap 
your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph, for the Lord Most High is terrible. He's a great king over all the earth. He shall subdue the people under us and the nations under our feet. Our enemies are going to be conquered. And that's not with a spirit of mocking. We don't mock our enemies. And the Lord conquers our enemies with us. You should have known better. Don't stick our noses up in the air on this earth nor after. He fights the battle. He fights the battle. We pity those, don't we? Verse 4. He shall. He shall choose our inheritance for us. The excellency of Jacob, whom he loved. Selah. Paul's. So that it, think about that. Think about it. He shall choose our inheritance for us. This awesome great king who's triumphant in all things. He saved the people and he's chosen their inheritance for them. Think about that. Think about that. What mercy. What wisdom. What tenderness and grace. He chose our inheritance for, for us. I thought about that this week. What if I had to choose my inheritance? Lord said, I've saved you. Now pick out what you want. You get one thing. Would I consume it on my love? What if I was left to myself? He left me alone. That's, that's terrifying. I choose wrong. I, what's the first thing that went through your head? We've got horrible thoughts, don't we? He's chose the inheritance. What's our inheritance? No. Who? Go back to that person of our salvation. Christ is our inheritance. He is capital H, heaven. It's not a place of mansions and crowns and little trinkets on your head and all this nonsense. It's a person. And if that's in a tent or a tabernacle, it don't make a difference to me. If it's in a mansion or a... If He's there, that's heaven, isn't it? That's our inheritance. Look over to Psalm 16. David wrote here, Psalm 16, verse 5. He said, The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. And he says, My cup runneth over. That's the whole of me. That's, that's down inside. The deep, that's the soul. He occupies it. And he overflows. He's the portion of mine inheritance. Thou maintainest my lot. You secured my inheritance. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. The lines, the reins. Your sovereignty in choosing my inheritance, it's good. It's, I have a goodly heritage. And I bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. He's the one that taught me this. This person, not a place, not a thing, not stuff. He's our inheritance. And the Father's chose this great and terrible King. He saved the people by Himself as a Savior. And He said, I'm giving myself to you. That's your inheritance. I chose it. We're in love with him and happy to. I can't wait to be with him. See him as he is. Oh, have understanding of him. He's mine. I'm going to sing this song backwards. He's mine. He's yours that, that he's saved, that's your king. He's our inheritance, but we're his. We sing, I am his and he is mine. Well, he's mine and I'm his too. That works both ways, don't it? Turn back to Psalm 2. Psalm 2, verse 1. 
Why did the heathen rage? Why did they clench instead of clap? And the people imagined a vain thing. The kings of the earth, they set themselves. And the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Let's not have this man reign over us, this king. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall He speak unto them in His wrath and vex them in His sore displeasure. He's going to conquer the enemy. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. The Father set him as king. This wonderful, awe-inspiring king that saved his people. The Father set him there. And I will declare the decree. The Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, the Father says to the Son. Ask me. You're, I made, you're the king. You're the everlasting father, the prince of peace, the counselor. You're all these things. Now you ask me what you want for an inheritance. Ask of me. And I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Who's the Lord's possession? His inheritance. Who's His possession? bunch of heathens. <laughs> Not uppity, goody, two-shoes churchgoers. Heathens. Sinners. That's who this king saved. That's who he come to. This is awesome, mighty God. Lay down His life for it. And He protects them and preserves them and provides for them and everything a king does. That's on His shoulders. Us. That's amazing. That's good news, isn't it? Come to Him. Run to Him. Back in our text here in Psalm 47. We'll read the whole thing, just the nine verses. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. For the Lord Most High is terrible. He's a great King over all the earth. He shall subdue the people under us and the nations under our feet. He shall choose our inheritance for us. The excellency of Jacob, whom he loved, Selah. God has gone, out, gone up with a shout. The Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. For God is the King of all earth. Sing ye praises with understanding. Understanding. Do you understand that? I know you know it. You read it. Do you understand who He is? That's who we're singing to. We understand Him, don't we? He's taught us that. Now we can sing to Him. God reigneth over the heathen. God sitteth upon the throne of His holiness. The princes of the people are gathered together even the people of the God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong unto God. He is greatly exalted. He's greatly exalted. Oh, that's good. That makes me happy. <laughs> I ain't looked to me. I ain't looked to this world. I ain't looked to the providence that's all around us or anything else. To see Him, that, that awesome One, that, that mighty King, that Savior of His people. Oh, that's good. That's good, isn't it? I thought of there in Isaiah 44. The Lord told Israel to remember these things. He said, I blotted out your sins, your transgressions. As a cloud, I put it away. It returneth unto me. And you return unto me because I've redeemed you. I've saved you. And it says, Sing, O heavens, for the Lord hath done it. Triumphant. Shout, ye 
lower parts of the earth. Break forth into singing, ye mountains, O forest, and every tree therein. For the Lord hath redeemed Jacob and glorified himself in Israel. He's done this and glorified himself with his people. Does that make you happy? That gets you through to Tuesday, I hope. I pray we can remember these things. So let's pray for it.